Hi everyone, you are listening to Sonoma Parenting 101. I am Barbara Pappas, your host for today. Today we will talk about characteristics of the family. But before we start, I would like to add something to the last talk we had about child development. Now that we know the five areas, remember cognitive, social-emotional, language, fine and gross motor, that we know these areas now, we can ask a very important question, and that is, how can we best support the growth and health of our children? Think of it as a two-sided coin. On one side, there is nature. Those are the genetics given to us by our parents and the genetic material we pass on to our children. For example, blue or brown eyes are genetically determined. Sometimes we hear somebody saying, oh yes, my daughter is just as tall as my mother or my son has an act for music and my dad is a musician. On the other side of influences, we call that nurture. This is the child's home and school life and everything and everybody that is in the community life. Children growing up here in Sonoma or Sonoma County are exposed to very different influences than, let's say, children in New York City, Manhattan, or in the Amazon. And many parents do make a conscious decision about where they would like to raise their children. The nurture influences can harm or improve our genetic blueprint. For example, malnutrition. That can cause a lower IQ than the genes have provided. And also vice versa. An, an ideal environment for a child can bring out the very best in him or her. So to stimulate our child's brain development, we do not need fancy or expensive toys. What children do need every day is something like this. They need love and the very many expressions of love, telling them I love you, hugging them, caressing them, being kind to them. They also need quality time together with you, the parents, the family members, and also quality time by themselves. Reading books together, reading books to each other, that is what they need. And we need to model behavior that we value and we would like to see in our children. They also need consistent rules and positive attention and encouragement for positive behavior. And of course they need appropriate natural consequences. And they do need very limited or no screen time at this very young age. And something that I want to remind all of us adults about is we need to ask for help. 
we need to ask for help from our support system. That might be our spouse, our partner, our parents, our in-laws, friends, or physicians. Parenting is difficult, and we do it for a very long time. So we need to model asking for help to show our children that this is appropriate behavior. So what I just said was additional information to our last talk on brain development. Now I have one more thing before we get into our first subject on family characteristics. And that is a fun little exercise that you can do today and uh, many times in the future. Go on your hands and knees at home and walk through all the rooms of your home. This is the position that gives you approximately the height of your child. And I invite you to view everything through your child's eyes. Ask yourself a number of questions. Is my home colorful or is it dark? Are the surfaces soft or hard, especially the floors? Are they wood? Are they cold? Are they warm? Are they inviting? Can I reach furniture and counters, like the couch, the table, the chairs, or maybe I have my own couch and table and chairs? Is it light and bright at home? Does it make me feel happy? Am I relaxed here? Do I belong? Is my home clean and orderly, or is it sometimes chaotic? Can I easily move around the furniture and from room to room? Do I see myself represented here at home? Because my paintings, my artwork, all my crafts, they are on the walls and on the fridge. Maybe I have my own room or I share a room with my parents or siblings or grandparents. Am I allowed everywhere or are there areas or rooms where I'm not welcomed? Do I belong here? Do I feel safe? Maybe you move in the next 10 years and repeat this exercise and share it with your uh, friends and family members and have a little fun with it. Talk about your observations and, and impressions. So that was a little bit of homework that I hope you enjoy. And now let's get started to talk about different characteristics of families. Again, we have five areas or aspects of characteristics. I'm going to name them all. There are boundaries, rules, roles, decision-making, and communication styles. The communication styles, that is a big subject in itself. So today we will talk about the first four, the boundaries, the rules, the roles, and the decision-making.
So family is a group of individuals and they are connected to each other by their relationship. Families have boundaries or invisible lines which define who is in the family and who is out. Family boundaries are thought of as being more open or more closed. Closed family boundaries are observed in families where inside doors are usually locked or closed and there is not that much contact with the outside world. Closed family boundaries mean that family energy goes into preparing for company and then recovering from company. And often anyone but the very immediate family members would be considered company. Open families usually have open doors and people are coming and going. Open family boundaries mean that there are a lot of children in and out, maybe pets in and out, and it would not be unusual at all to have an extra guest for dinner, spur of the moment, and that guest probably would not even be considered a guest. Immediate family members may include extended family, such as grandparents or even very close family friends. So within the boundaries, we look at closed and open, and we also look at personal space and privacy. There can be respect and acknowledgement of personal space or disregard of individual needs. So there are a few questions we can ask ourselves. Does our family tend to have more closed or more open boundaries? And how will the family's boundaries affect our ability to work with them? And are there special situations that might make the family boundaries more closed or more open? Okay, that was boundaries. Now let's look at rules. Over time, families develop rules about how they relate to each other and how they relate to the outside world. The rules are developed by the family to ensure stability promote responsibility, set limits, and support the family values. And to keep our family distinct from other families. Rules can be consistent and fair, or they can be unclear, sometimes even unnecessary. They can be arrived at through mutual agreement or with no shared decision-making. They may be understood or they maintain strictly without explanation. Here are a few questions we can ask. What are the family's rules about food, dress code, friendships, routines? Which rules are openly discussed and can be changed, possibly? Are there any covert or hidden rules? And what happens when a rule gets broken? 
So we looked at boundaries and we looked at rules. Now we'll talk about roles. Every family works out things like who does the chores, who deals with the money, who cares for the children. The way we fulfill our roles depends upon our culture, our own upbringing, our lifestyle and on our family composition. Some cultures, for example, older children do very much of the caretaking of younger siblings. Each member of the family has a unique role, whether it's the mom or the dad, the female, the male side, might be the husband, the father, the oldest child. There's only one oldest child or maybe twins, the oldest twins. There's only one youngest child. So what is it like to be the mother? the father, the female, the male, the oldest, the middle child, the youngest? What is it like to have that role in our family? And then specifically amongst children, what is the child's role in this family? So the last or the fourth for today, the last is decision-making. All families, all of us have ways of making decisions and resolving conflict. Some families strive for equality and let everyone participate in making decisions. Other families allow only one family member, maybe the mom or the dad, to make the major decisions. Decision making is also about power. Who holds the power? It is helpful when this process is reliable, yet flexible enough to change, if that is necessary. So, here are some questions we can ask. How are decisions made in our family? How are conflicts resolved? And who is included in this process? Are decisions age-appropriate? Are they reasonable? Does control shift from one family member to another? Is this a smooth or a chaotic process? Are there any double standards? Is there follow-through and consistency? So today we talked about characteristics of the family boundaries, rules, roles, and decision-making. Next time, we will talk about communication. Like I said, it is such a big subject in itself. I want to give it adequate attention and time. And then our new topic will be fundamental needs of man. Until then, Keep loving your children.